0: Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, it's Walter Schreifels of Rival Schools, of Quicksand. Yes, I know. I was absolutely blown away when I got the opportunity to to speak to Walter. Um Yeah. Uh, straight up legend, and uh, and as you're about to find out, one of the nicest guys uh, to ever have been on this podcast, um, an absolute delight. Um, before we get on with the episode, a few thank yous. Uh, thanks to you, lovely lot, for continuing to support the podcast. Um, thank you to Scrooby's Pip and my bros and sisters at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, thank you to Seventy Six for producing this podcast. Also, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beat On Track, then when you get to the end of this chat with Walter, then um, go check out the back catalogue. Um, over 300 episodes. You can hear me talking to... Who can you hear me talking to? Um, loads, obviously, but um, Foo Fighters? Um, Papa Roach, Um, gosh, Uh, Suede, Sleaford Mods, Idols, Fatboy Slim, uh, Melanie C of the Spice Girls, Um, gosh, Um, if you like your actors, Maxine Peake, Amanda uh, Abington, Joe Hartley, uh, Michael Smiley, Thomas Turgus, there's stacks, Um, yeah, Butch Vig, um, really good chat with Butch go check that one out go, the best thing you can do is just go and have a look because you'll see all your favourite uh, bands and DJs and producers and actors and comedians they're all over there and uh, yeah have a flick through find one you like press play better still subscribe then you won't miss any um, leave us a little message or just give us a little like, love or a share on the on the socials um, if that's um, if you'd like even more then you can support the podcast on my Patreon it's 79p a month and for that you get lots of video episodes you get access to a back catalogue of 250 radio shows and episodes and all sorts of stuff so yeah and it's 79p a month and by doing that you you help support the podcast right i think we can get on with it please enjoy today's episode of off the beaten track podcast with walter scheifels Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So, One of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stew with it. Okay, we are recording. Walter, how are you doing today?
3: I'm good. Thanks. I'm just chilling. Beautiful day here in New York. It's uh pretty, uh, just sunny and nice and relaxing.
0: Oh, wonderful. Well, in the UK, um, we, I mean, I should point out we're recording this on, um, the 6th of August. We're all our restrictions have been dropped now. Um, and so we're, we're at a point now where live shows are happening again and, and nightclubs wow. are reopening and such. And it's, 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 quite a surreal time at the moment to kind of, uh, find ourselves sort of thrust back into all of that. Um, What's the situation like uh, where you are?
3: Um, I guess it's sort of kind of, it's been a push and a pull. Like it, it was, um, things were kind of optimistic in the last month or two with people getting vaccinated. And now there's the Delta variant, which I think was out in, in the UK. Um, and now that's kind of the thing here. So, um it seems like they're trying to pull back a little bit and uh, kind of a little bit uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop sure. <laughs> in, in some regard, you know?
0: Well, with that in mind, just casting your mind back over the last um, 15, 16 months, uh-huh. how have you found that personally and creatively?
3: Um. Well, in my personal experience, you know, obviously like, like everyone, you know, there's a sort of, um, you know, there's a blanketing feeling, you know, there's people that are really suffering and not, not just people that are dying, but, you know, economically and, uh, you know, people that are, you know, being put under all kinds of st- stresses because of the pandemic, uh, f- for, you know, all kinds of different reasons and how they're dealing with it so that you're aware of that suffering, but, you know, um, so, In my own experience, though, I was very fortunate to have a place to go in upstate New York, and it was very peaceful and um, didn't really need to be around people except to go to the grocery store. So I found it like a really cool time, actually, you know, in the sense that life had slowed down. So there was no expectation of having to, like, you know, deliver anything and no one was expecting anything of me. I wasn't expecting anything of them. And uh, so it, I'm very grateful for that kind of, for that, for, you know, good fortune in that regard. And um, feel like I, uh, I, 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 pre- I, I made the best of, of that situation in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, it's quality time with my family. And, and that was really nice. Um, and I guess creatively, you know, uh, was sec- part two of the question was, I took, you know, having finished the Quicksand record right before the lockdown.
0: Oh, that was finished I- before lockdown.
3: I finished it. We finished it on uh, March 10th, which was my birthday. We finished all the tracking, which was awesome. And then lockdown was, I think, on March 15th, and uh, it, it really, the shit really hit the fan pretty quickly in uh, in the states, uh, where it was like sort of like something happening somewhere else to like, holy shit, this is real.
0: Yeah.
3: Um. Uh. So I felt again in the, in a good position that I had had completed something that um, you know. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel any pressure to, like, deliver anything. Yeah. So, you know, all, all my creative things were just, like, kind of more fun. Uh, I, I started, like, playing drums more, uh, started messing around with synths, started playing bass more. Um, and, and, and in a creative sense, I really just just had
0: fun. Yeah. I, I didn't, you know, no amb- amb- career ambition about it. Well, let's talk records. Um, mm-hmm. For track one... I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you all, please, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Yeah.
3: Well, uh, I could think of about 40 different songs uh, that have greatest ever level. You can uh, have a couple of get...
0: honorable mentions if you want.
3: Honorable mentions. Uh, uh, song Remains the Same is a good one. Uh, uh, we Gotta Know by Cro Mags is a good one. Um, but I went with, um, you know, uh, or even, um, uh, for whom the bell tolls yeah. is a good one, which leads me to remember that ACDC for those about to rock is a sick intro, uh, hell's bells. Yeah. AC- ACDC probably have probably like six or seven in their canon. They're, they're, um,
0: they're featured heavily on this podcast, especially on that question.
3: Yeah. Cause they just rock it. Uh, so hard like really set up a tune but i don't know off the cuff i'm going to go because there's such stiff competition i just thought uh uh, uh raining blood slayer yeah. it's just so i think it might have been you know i was a bit late to slayer um i was talking with a friend about slayer the other day and uh like Hell awaits like the kids in your school that were into hella at that time. And I was the age of them being new. Yeah. Like those kids were fucking, were the scary kids in, in yeah. class. Um, and so I kind of, um, kept, uh, I didn't, I didn't dive in right away. Let's just say. And, um, but eventually, you know, I got into hardcore and then I started to circle back to some of this, you know, awesome thrash metal that was coming out. And, um, you know, raining blood might've been the first thing I heard. And just like, it just delivered on every level. And just when it kicks into the gallop, you just feel like, I mean, it's pre game of Thrones, but you're basically like charging on a <laughs> horse with a big fucking battle ax, just flopping heads off.
0: And, so true.
3: you know, so it's, and then when it breaks into the guitar break and then the double guitar, uh, dun, dun,
2: dun,
3: it's like the fucking most evil shit in the whole world, and um, you just feel like you're on the side that's winning. It's fucking awesome.
0: <laughs> I couldn't have put that any better. You feel like you're on the side that's winning. I love that. <laughs> um, in regards to to intros, um, just just going to ask you this: um, How has from from the early days of you writing songs to the way that people would listen and obtain their music then? to the new record and the way that people listen to music now Mm. has the way that people listen to music and I mean like the the where they find it and where they access it from and these ever rapidly increasing attention rapidly shortening attention spans have any of them kind of shifts in technology and stuff like that had any kind of influence on how you approach a song and potentially the intro?
3: uh, the, the, the art of the intro you're you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a thought. I mean, I, I kind of try to tune out a lot of that kind of stuff when I'm, when I'm working on things, but, um, I do think that sometimes, yeah, I mean, I guess you have from your own experience, you start to, to take on some of the, 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 the habits of your time, you know what I mean? Like, you want to be grabbed quicker, which maybe was always true. But, you know, with, with, you know, the scene that I came up in, maybe people had more patience or something. So, yeah, you, by the time you're there, a big intro, here's something that I think, I guess maybe this is a bit cynical, but like you hear like an awesome intro, you know, like even Metallica, I can remember hearing like for whom the bell tolls just being like, okay, this is fucking awesome. But when the vocal comes in, this better you better fucking deliver yeah because you just put me through like a minute of this shit Mm. don't let me down yeah so a lot of the time nowadays if i hear like a long intro i'm just bracing myself for a shitty vocalist (laughs) you know what i mean because you could be like this is the fucking best band ever and then the vocal comes in and you're like aha i get it you know um so that's just my own (laughs) cynicism but when someone comes in you know strong well then obviously you're 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 on track for something classic and you're basically like inviting the listener into band that has some sort of depth yeah um in our time now i feel like um the rhythm is much more about little pokes of attention and less about like okay well let's sit down and have a a conversation it's more about like one-liners if it was if i were to like I don't know if Rodney Dangerfield is, uh, is known in in the UK. Uh, but, um, you know, one-liners, you know, like jabs, and it's less about like, uh, you know, story arcs, uh, you know, not, not, not for everybody in in all ways, but I think that's just the, the language, you know? Okay.
0: For track two, I'm going to take you back and I'm going to ask you please to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please.
3: Uh, the first one that I recall was, um, I mean, I could think of a, of a rush of kind of like early seventies, like, uh, you know, Cat Stevens kind of songs, but I do remember like uh, seasons in the sun or something like that, you know, some, some kind of sugary stuff from that era. But um, I remember as a, as a kid watching uh, on 4th of July, going to my friend's house and uh, on the TV was uh, the Yellow Submarine was on TV. And I think I came in right as uh, Nowhere Man came on. Yeah. And uh, and just how the Beatles are kind of like walking through this scene with this, this sort of sad, funny character uh, of Nowhere Man. Um, I wouldn't have been able to like understand the feeling that was hitting me at the time. But, you know, maybe it was like an emo moment or something, you know, where it's just like. I am that little. There's part of me in that yeah. that nowhere man character, even though fuck, I was probably like seven years old or yeah. eight years old. Nothing had happened to me, but I already related to this sort of um, uh, this character that was in some sort of uh, turmoil that I couldn't understand, except in a childlike way. And you know that the Beatles were like basically cheering him up, you know, with yeah. music and and their their colorfulness was 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 bringing him something that he he needed from uh, from others and uh, I think that you know as I'm describing it to you obviously it it connected with me on an emotional level
0: so where was where was home then where was growing up
3: uh at that point my parents were in uh were at college in uh Penn State University um my parents were educated um there and so I lived in a, in a university uh environment for uh for some years but um But before that, I lived in Rockaway Beach. And after my parents graduated, uh, we moved back to Rockaway Beach, which is uh, a peninsula um, off of uh, Queens, which is a borough of New York City. And it's kind of like the outer edges of of uh, of New York. So you can see the Manhattan skyline, but it's it's from a distance. And uh, and I grew up next to the beach, which is was, you know, I'm very grateful. And it was awesome.
0: Okay, was it a musical house? Excuse me? Was it a musical house? Was there always music? I
3: I am aware, you know, especially like when my parents were going to college, you know, it's like hippies parties, like everyone smoking pot and me not knowing what that was, but everyone was in a good mood and you're the kid and everyone likes you. Uh, With, um, you know, Crosby stills and Nash playing, you know, it's just of that era. Yeah. Um, My dad was into the beach boys because he was a, a surfer and, um, so I kind of like felt a kinship to the beach boys. Like, uh, he had like endless summer laying around. So I used to listen to that all the time. And my mom was more of like a folky, which I think is kind of typical of her age. So Donovan records were around. Um, uh, yeah, Joan Baez. I didn't really dig too deep into her, but Bob Dylan, we had a copy of blonde on blonde when I was little that I would listen to. And, um, uh, uh, you know Fleetwood Mac st- stuff of the 70s, but yeah. I, I wouldn't let my parents were like, oh man, I can't wait to get this new record. No, they were, they were, you know, trying to like pay for shit and yeah, and make yeah, sure yeah.
0: Out, yeah, you know. Okay, well, starting in the formative years, um, for track three, I'm gonna ask you please to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Um,
3: I mean, school, I went to school, um, in New York and it was such a cool time in the 80s. I mean, I guess any time that you're, at, you know, young in that way is, is an exciting time to you because you're experiencing things in a new way and you're, you know, kind of creating your identity through all these, you know, I found it through a lot through music. But in New York, it was really awesome because not only was like the kind of like hardcore punk rock scene happening that I ultimately discovered, but like hip hop was like, obviously now it's the most popular music in the world. But when I was a kid, it only really existed in New York City. Like we owned it. Um, you know, we had uh, Run DMC. We had, uh, you know, LL Cool J. We had um, and before that, you know, we had Houdini. We had uh, Curtis Blow. We had uh, African Bombada. And even as into almost into the 90s, we ba- there wasn't really a, a hip hop group outside of New York that, until like NWA came out. Yeah uh that really could challenge anybody from new york it was just like we had the formula and everyone else was just trying to imitate it so you know breakdancing, graffiti hip-hop was like permeated everything in our in our world in high school um and i really you know there was so much of that that i i really loved and it was just kind of would soak into you. But I guess when I think of high school, I think of fun. And I I really loved um, uh, De La Soul, uh, Three Feet uh, High and Rising uh, album, where it was just so eclectic and had this kind of, it kind of jumped the paradigm from like this kind of B-boy approach to hip hop to something, yeah, more colorful and open. And I guess almost beatlesque. now that we're kind of referring back. Um, to, to the earlier thing that kind of hit me, uh, and me, myself and I as a perfect was the perfect, I think it probably came out in the summer. It makes me think of, of the summer, even though I'm talking about school, but, you know, it was something that everyone could love and, uh, brought people together and, you know, my early like night club, high school, sneaking out kind of thing. Like that was a big hit. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's, it's, it was an amazing record and, and, you know, definitely feels uh, I mean, you can't listen to it now because I think all the samples haven't been cleared. Oh but, um, man, it's true. You can't find it on Spotify. Yeah, uh, which is really sad because it's just like you don't have access to it yeah. unless you have a turntable. Um, uh, but yeah, I love I love that song. I don't know. That's the first thing that popped in my head.
0: It's it's. I mean, I'm 48, and that record dropped when I was maybe 15, mm-hmm. and it just. I mean, like. Again, I'm I'm very jealous that you, you was exposed to all of that hip-hop in New York because as as somebody that lives on the outskirts of London, we was just clambering for any snippet of what was coming out of New York in, in the UK. You know, it was all on you know getting what we could on imports and And when Dayler happened there was like a second summer of love happening with rave culture in the UK and you know Acid House was happening and and it was just this second summer of love and, and it seems really weird that in, there was this acid house music and there was all sorts of kind of, I guess of house music happening as well. Yet Dela featured in that scene. It, it just, because it was, we called it Daisy age over here, like no, their hip yeah. hop, because we'd get like jungle brothers and Tribal quest and money love and all of that would be sort of thrown in there with it. And yeah. And I just think that that record didn't sound like any kind of hip hop I'd ever heard. It was completely different. It wasn't about how much money you've got, how tough you are. It was it yeah. was three kind of crazy hippies. I mean, could you draw the kind of parallels to that Crosby Steals and stuff and the stuff you were sort of listening to growing up? It was like almost like a rework of that scene.
3: It, uh, that's an interesting way to put it. I haven't really thought about it in those terms, but yeah, I mean, they – they just totally jumped the whole paradigm uh, yeah. uh, of and I, I think at the time, I think it really just flipped people's minds out, you know, like like um and, and I don't and obviously like Tribe Called Quest, I think like kind of touched on some of the same, were able to inhabit some of the same uh zone, hmm. but that record just like you know, it just like switched everything up and like changed everything for a number of years. And um, and also just the, the production on it is just like no one had ever heard anything like that. I mean, I think like the Bomb Squad, like Public Enemy and Prince Paul Prince at that Paul. time um, were incredibly just creative and just creating these soundscapes that you just, you know, I think in the UK yeah, you had acid house and I think there was a more dance oriented, uh, music culture, uh, than in the United States maybe. Um, but I mean, it's, it still just sounds incredible today. It yeah. sounds, even if you understand how to do it, it sounds otherworldly. Yeah. And, and, uh, so I think of that, I mean, I could name other songs, but I, I think of my school era. I don't know. I think that that encapsulates the, the good vibe of it. Yeah.
0: Listen up, I've only got another new sponsor, Eggfried. it's this super cool clothing label and if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designers kind of weird sense of humour in the mix then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints. As well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting in the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D. Save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, And, again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. So school was good, yeah?
3: Uh, It was sort of – I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, I wasn't bullied. I I didn't, you know – I didn't love it or care about it. I had some friends, you know. But um, my – especially in high school, my focus was – yeah, I was into this like hardcore punk thing going on at CBGB. So I felt more, my friend group was more in through music than the, the proximity to the kids that I just happened to be going to school with. Although, you know, I had friends, um, you know,
0: and, uh, as I, did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school?
3: Uh, I kind of had some sort of expectation, um, that I would go to college, you know, cause my parents had gone to college and I, I figured the system was kind of like you go to college and then you get a job. Someone gives you a, a job. So maybe I thought I could be a teacher or something like that. Something that would be like have summers off and uh, you know, I could study something I was interested in like yeah. history or, or English or something. Not that I was so interested in English, but you know, some sort of thing like that uh where there's some sort of creative element but you know and i went to school i went to college for maybe yeah a year maybe a year and a half uh and then just music sort of took over and became more of a, of a professional where i was paying my rent with it and uh, so I, I i i ditched those dreams but i had it in the back of my head i would go back to college and then after a while it's just i was like okay you're a musician so that's what you're doing
0: Were you a confident kid
3: confident uh yeah i guess yeah you know in some ways i i I know my strengths and i can i can uh you know enough to like you know write songs put myself in front of an audience you know talk on a podcast i think those kind of things are, are i have a certain confidence uh innate uh and then in other realms i'm i'm useless you know what I mean or or that's where my work is you know uh so you know some people are I guess you know lean one side of the scale or the other I I guess I'm probably on the more confident side but uh yeah I I think but I don't think you know there's things that I'm just like holy shit I'm out of my depth
0: yeah track four the first song you remember buying from a record store please
3: um I got to go back to the Beatles. Uh I don't know I think my aunt Nellie gave me the money for this but um I went to a record store uh I was so little and just I bought a Beatles 7 inch because that's how much money I had and I bought uh The Hey Jude uh Revolution 7 inch uh on Capitol Records I can I can remember the the red uh center with the big capital uh 70s capital uh logo on it and um yeah it was awesome i mean i knew the song hey jude um there was something about that song um that felt i mean whatever it's it's in our dna that song i felt like it was speaking to me and you know uh and revolution had this like edge to it that uh appealed to so i guess you know if I'm going backwards and thinking about it in this time, like I am living, my musical loves are within that seven inch, you yeah. know, the, the edginess of revolution and the, the sort of warmth uh, and intimacy and community of, of Hey Jude. Cause it is a song where it's personal, but it, it evolves to the, to the, the whole, Absolutely. you know, we are the worldness about it.
0: As you got older, how important did, record stores become as a place for you
3: man i miss them so much uh i mean i will go into record stores um still uh to to just be in that environment but even when things kind of got corporate you know there was these like big um tower records or hmv or these kind of things like i even loved that you know what i mean where you could just like inhabit where all the records of the week were coming out, the people that were buying them, and you know, flip through the magazines and engage tact tactily. Is it tact with tactile? You know, like you could touch it. Yeah. Um, tangible. Tangible, yeah. In that and be, <laughs> be yeah, uh, and kill time. You know, or go to a record store, get in a con, or go into a record store and get in a conversation with the person who works there about music. And, you know, share and learn and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't want to s- it sound, like, overly nostalgic or grampsy about it, but, like, that was awesome. You know what I mean? So now, of course, like, there's Spotify and there's all these other things that um, have a certain uh, speed and and um, coolness. You know, I'm absorbing a lot of music and I'm learning, you know, my my algorithm is feeding me some really cool shit, like, you know respect to that algorithm but uh but you know some of our humanity is lost you know you you can't you can't put that back in the in the bottle sadly
0: it's the album artwork it's the thing that i I miss and it's like when you was talking about growing up and you know you have blonde on blonde and things like that when you would put that record on i presume you'd then sit there and look at the sleeve and read the sleeve notes and like and i would nerd out over that shit as a kid and like and and, and as much as, like, I don't want to be Granddad's Jew and start, you know, kind of going, you know, back in my day, and, you know, there's so many positives to being able to stream music and within, you know, two seconds have anything you want, you know, to listen to. Sure. It, it's, that's incredible. But I do think that the album artwork is one of the things that I think has suffered as, as, as technology has advanced, and I think that's the one thing that I do miss.
3: I agree with you. I mean, looking at Blonde and Blonde and just thinking, like, this is Bob Dylan, like his hair is really cool. Like who else looks like that? Like yeah. reading the, whatever there is to be read about, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, within it and, I, and it's a gatefold. Um, yeah. That experience that, that sort of like uh, tactile experience uh, and, and intimacy with this sort of investment. And I think there's something very primal about like having a bookshelf, having a, a record collection you know that they are objects you know what i mean it kind of goes back to caveman days when like cavemen would be like bring home certain rocks and be like this is my rock collection you know what i mean if you want to borrow the rock make sure you put the fucking rock back
0: Damn right
3: you know what i mean because that's a fucking <laughs> cool rock to me and i really care about that one so yes you can borrow it um you know there's something very primal about that that i i is is lost in our, you know, minimally designed, uh, you know, minimally furnished television on the wall, uh, mode of
0: living, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Track five, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing.
3: Um, my clubbing life, I, I kind of, my first phase of clubbing when it was really like clubbing, like New York was amazing in the, I kind of caught the end of a certain era of New York whose uh, who's world known Rudolph Giuliani, who really kind of started the decline of fun in New York. Um, but there used to be like just these huge warehouses where you could even, go as a teen underage and rub elbows with like, you know, like club Mars, for example, you'd go there and it would be like Eric B and, and Rakim would be there. Chuck D would be there. Uh, You know, Scoop and Scrap and Big Daddy Kane would be there. Uh, You know, uh, Love and Rockets are in town. They're there. You know what I mean? You're just like hanging out with all these people in a warehouse space that if you see movies from the 80s or something like, you know, they're trying to imitate that sort of like freedom, you know, where where, uh, it's. And then on the other hand, there was, you know, the beginning of these sort of like velvet rope not the beginning of, I guess that would have existed, but, you know, a velvet rope aspect, you know, yeah. uh, where you're paying for drinks and stuff like that. But I think really, besides the hip hop, there was um, one of the bands that really just cut through for me was New Order, because they would get played in the clubs uh, along with, you know, Public Enemy, and then it could, it would be New Order. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Bizarre Love Triangle was, like, a huge hit. I mean, Blue Monday was, like, obviously, like, the killer track yeah. but there's something about bizarre love triangle that's just like hopeful and romantic and a dreamscape that um i wasn't into e or anything like that but it gave you that feeling of just like um yeah i guess it's a return to this sort of like almost hippie thing that i keep yeah. coming back to you know like rain, sunshine and rainbows yeah. and the possibilities of life and love and and uh that song just fucking rips, still hits me.
0: So um, good. So yeah. good, man. And it's got to be the full 12-inch version as well. You've got to rinse that intro. And it's just, when that chorus drops, it's joyous. I mean, that record is pure pop. It's just perfect pop music, you know. And, yeah. oh, it delivers. It really does.
3: And where where it's coming from too. Like, I mean, I, I was I was into Joy Division yeah. prior prior to that. I mean, and I followed New 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 Order. There was a really great radio station in uh, out in Long Island that would play things from the UK. Um, and you know, wasn't on any popular radio station in New York, but it was this station called WLAR, and they would play like every UK single. So I had followed New Order from you know through these different evolutions to where they're like a full fledged, like legit, like they just, again, just jumped forward in the line. Like, so from where they had been only like a few years before, not only in terms of quality, but just like showing the, the, the the potential of, of, uh, of dance music, of reaching a popular audience, but in a way that's like not pandering and, and, and is full of like authentic emotion and joy
0: it's yeah. amazing i, I do I, I, I totally agree i think you know coming out of joy division and then going to new york and and, and experiencing them kind of electro clubs and and, and stuff like that. and then i guess meeting arthur baker and then the rest is history i think you know once he added his little bits of magic to so many of them songs oh wonderful what a band
3: yeah What what a combination you know of just like you know, when you boil it down, they're just like these blokes, in a way. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And and I remember seeing them, I saw them at a festival in um, in Germany, Hurricane Festival, and I, I was playing, and I, I was able to get like on side stage, watching them play. And just like their whole manner, you just know these dudes are just blokes from fucking Manchester, yet they created this music that is just like, transcendent. And it's it's just something else I, I don't know if people can have it in them to appreciate how awesome they are although of course people love them
0: yeah i, I uh i saw them uh do a, one of their first shows back in a long time probably 18 years ago at finsbury park a big outdoor gig and uh at the time my wife was pregnant and i said look we've got to go we've got to go i said like uh this will be incredible. And it was the day that DD Ramon had died and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and hooky had sprayed DD on his amp. Uh, and I remember they come out and they just, and they started with bizarre love triangle and I was just watching it. And you're so right. He's just a load of blokes from Manchester. And like my wife was like, why is he doing that funny dance? And I was like, no, that's what Bernard does. That's him dancing. That's just this weird little thing where he's skipping around the stage. It makes no sense, but it doesn't matter because it's New Order. It's what they do. Like, and they do just look like they've come out of some like, working men's club and like, you know put on a nice T-shirt and it's like, oh, go on, get out there and do your thing. And, like, oh, yeah, go on, you can take your wife with you as well. She's going to be on keyboards. And it's like, okay, oh, yeah, that's that's his wife. And like, it's, just, it's it's oh, it's just bizarre. Like, no pun intended there, but it is. And yeah. but it's just incredible. And you know, you, you you scratch the surface of any of it, and you know that whole scene and, and what come from Manchester, you know, at that point, and then again, then resurfaced at you know in that you know time of Acid House and the Hacienda and Factory Records and Tony Wilson. You know, it's it's the stuff of fairy tales over here. I don't know how how epic it is in, in the States. But yeah, like that whole story of, of, of what happened with that label and that club and, oh, it's just incredible.
3: Yeah. It's just like, it it kind of, those are the kind of things that's just like life is cool. Like some things will come together that are fucking amazing and how they contextualized everything they did in this, uh, kind of high art context. So good. is, Is, is makes the fact that this sort of bloke working man, truth to it uh rooting even fucking better because to me it's like sometimes and maybe this is a class thing but like sometimes uh you know like a working man uh, or someone from a, a lower uh working class background like isn't going to be handed culture mm. you know you're going to learn culture like you know uh th- 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 those things are not going to be easily accessible to them so like to to come from that sort of background and yet create something that is just like high art. Yeah. I don't know. I I fucking love that because it's like hitting all the, it's checking all the boxes for everyone. And it's, and that it's, it's coming from that, that juxtaposition, you know? I mean, you know, if something's good, it's good. It doesn't matter the class, but there's something that, that I love about that, that it's so like starkly designed. So, so simple and clean and, um, yet so colorful and so, uh, full of life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Track six, you'll take you home favorite song from an artist from your hometown.
3: Uh, I mean, I definitely could whip through a bunch of Ramon songs cause I think they're so iconic. Um, there's loads of hip hop songs that I would, um, could go for, um, there's hardcore songs that I think are, are really great, but I guess, you know, one of my first, you know, albums or, or artists that I really, like, fell in love with and slash fell in love with was Blondie.
0: <laughs> I think we uh, all did, mate. We all did.
3: Yeah. I mean, anyone close to our age, I mean, she just was the whole damn package. Like, yep. like there was there was nothing more it was quite simple. Like Deborah Harry was everything.
0: And was there a cooler person on the planet at that point than Debbie Harry? I don't know who it is. You know, maybe
3: maybe, definitely not on the, on the, the, the the female side of the planet. I, not, not in my estimation, there was some like other cool people, you Mm. know, running around studio 54. Yeah. But to, to my young, uh, my world, no. And if you look back, like, there's a photograph of Debbie with, um, and God, she's just so beautiful and awesome. And, uh, but there's a photograph of her with, uh, David Bowie. And it's a really cool photograph because it shows the side of her that she's like actually stoked to be taking a picture with David Bowie. Yeah. Like, David Bowie is in the world of people that she could be girlish around. Yeah. And, and it's so charming because she's like, so goddamn cool but so down to earth it's sort of like the that perfect combination it's maybe like a male fantasy of like the girl that can like hang but is also super hot yeah and can be your friend uh you know and that's the image that she came especially coming with with this awesome band that came along with her yeah you know what i mean that to me you know i'm looking at the cover of parallel lines for example Definitely. and seeing all these you know, kind of cool looking boys and, 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 uh, you know, all dressed kind of cool and, and uniformly, but with little details differently yeah. and just the power of the music and the songs, you know, you knew that, the that, that this was a, uh, not just, you know, say, say an artist like Pat Benatar, who's obviously, I got a lot of respect for her. She, uh, or, or even Joan Jett, you know, where they have like a backing group. Yeah. Uh, Blondie had, had more than that. Um, so I guess the song that I'm thinking of that, that wasn't really my first introduction to Blondie, which would have been parallel lines. Um, but going back a little bit, um, I think it's on, um, gosh, I can't remember what album it's on, but uh, I think it's on plastic letters. Uh, I'm always touched by your presence, dear. What record. It's just, I mean, I think they were huge in the UK by this time already, Mm -hmm. but in the United States, it didn't happen until heart of glass. Um, which is strange, but America's like just like that. Um but that song has this sort of classic 70s-ness about it that's almost like there's almost like a Maggie Mayness about it, um, but with a punk, like a, a an uptick in in the in the speed, and an, there's something like just so perfect about it, and and just her voice and like how it's this um the sentiment of it uh it's just just doesn't get cooler than that like i think you know i could pick other like later songs but i guess maybe because like it wasn't the first bondy song that i heard when they were like most popular and that it wasn't a hit that like i went back into it maybe a little bit late in my yeah. teenage years and just dug into these earlier records and i was like this is just fucking cool this is like this is like the girl, this is like the girlfriend that you want. Like a girl that is like this, you know, and not just because she's pretty, but because she's cool. Yeah. So I don't know that it's a lot to be said about, about Blondie and and they have probably like at least eight other songs, like on that level, but that's a special one.
0: It is. I mean, uh, 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 the greatest hits of Blondie. I mean, if you stick that on, there is no fat on that record. That is as lean and as perfect a, a guitar pop record you're ever going to hear like just a wonderful wonderful band. I touched on something earlier um on, on confidence and aside from confidence or oh, you've you've you know you, you you've had a, a, an incredible career thats that 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 spanned you know a fair few years now and with that in mind, confidence aside, would you say that you're driven?
3: Um, yeah, to a certain degree. I, I I kind of have this sort of compulsion where, um, which has manifested itself through music, yeah. where like I'll, I'll just hear something in my head or like I'll envision a scenario like, you know, it, you know, playing with certain people and what would be a good sound and how that would affect people. And then I'll just kind of have a hard time thinking about anything else until I like record it. Yeah. And, And, and then I, then I can pay attention to whatever it is that I'm doing. And so that just keeps coming to me and I have like thousands of these things. So it's sort of like, you know, hearing voices in a way. And, um, the next step of that is to take those little ideas and take them to a finish line to where like that is becomes a song and has like sort of, you know, structure to it. And then it comes out and then, you know, people can like, it it, it exists outside of me. And that's really what I want. I want like whatever it is is in me is to get, get out of me. And then the moment that it's out of me and I can listen back to it and, 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 and I've done all the work that I can do on it. Like I might have some thought about thinking wow, this is a really good one or like, shit, I wish this had been a little bit better there or, or something like that. Um, but no matter what it is, I'm quickly thinking about what's the next thing to get it. So it's never satisfying. Yeah. So in a way that's a, dr- that, that's a drive. You know what I mean? That, that I'm never content. Although like, of course I'm like proud of like things that I've done and I'm like grateful that it worked out the way that it did. And which allows me to keep going, going through this kind of purge, because I could have some other profession and still have you know uh, have to fit this in this fucking craziness and you know my spare time much more. Uh, But I've been very fortunate that that it's worked out in in that regard. So you know, I'm driven in the fact that like I want to. If I if I uh, artistically want something like I'll, I'll take steps to make that happen. And sometimes they're circuitous and uh, but usually when it starts to get in the home stretch, I'm, I'm pretty determined.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars
4: That's OSEA Malibu.com code GLOW. Yeah.
0: Last track. A song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please.
3: Uh yeah, cool, Keith. Uh is such an interesting. Yeah, it's a song that that I I want I think everyone should hear. It'll just kind of bring a little sunshine to your life. Is uh Cool Keith, Living Astro, Living Astro. Um, I think Cool Keith is so interesting and he's such he's such a good uh, – he, he's just incredible. His flow is just amazing and sort of like just off kilter and not like playing the typical roles. He's kind of in his own lane and I find him very interesting and creative. And Living Astro, if this song – if ever I'm feeling like, man, life is so serious – and, you know, this is like really grim or um, it's kind of like almost like, you know, Monty Python always look on the bright side of life. Like this fucker will have you whist- not whistling, but, you know, metaphorically, like live in Astro, like you want to be living like cool. Keith is living. Yeah. He's he's actually living that life like he's not portraying it. He's doing it. Yeah, And that's inspiring. That's just aspirational. And fucking cool. It makes people. It makes me feel good to know that people are are living that life, and and enjoying
0: it. Well, people can listen to it because we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast of all the songs that um you've chosen today, Walter. Um, as we find ourselves in, entering into the sort of the, the the second half of 2021, and hopefully going. With a little bit more positivity and to, to see some more connection and to see, yeah, something that perhaps we was more used to, you know, two years ago returning. With all of that in mind, what are you looking forward to from the rest of this year personally and what's going to be happening professionally?
3: Well, Quicksand, with, with this new record, we have a tour booked in the United States in the, uh, in the fall, coming up not too far away. So I am really have my fingers crossed that, uh, you know, that, that the current uh, situation holds and where we're able to have gigs again. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and hopeful for that to come through. And in, in which case, not only will I be excited to play uh, and travel around with my friends, but, you know, see, see America again and like, just kind of travel and look out the window and, and, and see the country that that's going to be really exciting, uh, for me. Uh, so I am looking forward to that. And, um, you know, as things progress, like I I am kind of feeling like with this album out, of course, like referring back to what I was talking about before, I'm, I'm kind of itchy to like, create some new stuff to set up for 2022, which is, you know, practically around the corner, uh, from us and to, uh, to write those chapters. So I'm going to be taking some time to do that. And, um, so, so stuff like that.
0: And so if people want to kind of keep up to speed with everything that uh, you're up to, where's the best place for people to do that?
3: I guess my, uh, personally, my Instagram is kind of like where I'm, I'm, uh, you know, most actively, you know, kind of sharing like what I'm up to. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of post semi, uh, semi often.
0: Okay. So if it's all right with you, when we put this episode out, we'll tag you in it. So if people aren't following you, then they can, uh, they can do so a lot easier. Yeah, that'd be great. Wonderful. Walter, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk records with you. Same Thank same. you so much.
3: Same, Stu. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, it was a lot of fun
0: wonderful thanks so much mate there you go I told you all was amazing um what a lovely dude we carried on having a big old chat afterwards that's a good sign um i love it when that happens that you know generally means that the the guest is very comfortable and and happy to chat and and, and vice versa um he was delightful and i hope that come across i'm sure it did um yeah, let us know what you thought of the episode. Drop us a message. I'm on all the social media platforms. Um, go check out the Patreon if you want to support the podcast. Um, if you can give us a, a like, love, share, or retweet on the socials, we really appreciate that. And better still, subscribe. Um, so, yeah, that's me done. You can find out about everything you need to know about this podcast at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Oh, and lastly, big thanks to M. Em's been a, an absolute delight. She's been responsible for um, guests like Walter, uh, and she's uh, um, introduced me to, to, you know, speak to people like Chuck D. Um, she organised Chuck D, um, uh, which was one of the most. It, it was a, a big episode for me, that one. Um, and, and obviously, you've just heard us talk about our mutual love of hip hop. Um, and so, yeah, so big thanks to M uh, And uh, yeah, I'm done. I'll see you next time. Be excellent to each other. Much love. Bye bye. It's Off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him.
1: Hey,